I imagine Gabby Mejia sitting in Wakanda forever for the fourth time, smiling at new details she hadn't seen before, and the care with which she knows the team tended to the untold stories. She sits beside her mother, who was watching the film for the first time. As a tear falls down her mother's cheek, I imagine it doesn't make Gabby sad, but sparks in her a desire to reimagine worlds in her films and watch her films reimagine the world. I can't imagine Gabby being quiet at the table with faculty, staff, and students as they deliberate about candidates on a dean's search committee. Gabby doesn't hold back her beliefs about inequity and how universities can strengthen themselves by honoring difference and community. I can't imagine a time in which she didn't have a profound self-awareness of her intersectional identity or a desire to see a world defined by justice and equity. I can't imagine she stays quiet. And I know that she won't. On the ampersand, we call this bringing together of the impossible, the alchemy of anding. Together, we'll hear stories of humans who imagine and create by colliding their interests. Rather than thinking of and as a simple conjunction in that conjunction-junction kind of way, we will hear stories of people who see and as a verb, a way to speak the beautiful when you intentionally let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. As St. Mary Oliver asks, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? Oh, I love this question. When I'm mothering, creating, and collaborating, it reminds me to replace a singular idea of what I think I should become with a full sensory verb about experiencing. I'm Erica Randall. And this is Gabby Mejia on The Ampersand. When I was younger, it was very much internalized racism for me, like growing in the U.S. I'm a dark-skinned Mexican plus-size girls. And, like, even in novelas, you see quite the opposite. You see, like, white-passing Latinos, uh, Mexicans that are very skinny, blue eyes. And, like, my grandpa, he was, like, the one always, like, hyping me up. He's like, you need to be proud of who you are. He's very much, like, my dad. So just because my dad, like, he left when I was younger, like, he didn't have his status, he didn't have papers. When I was younger, I was like, why don't you have your papers? Just get papers. Because I just thought they were like, I was like, they're just regular slips of paper, you know, like, Mm. and when he left the U.S. Oh, that image. Oh, Gabby. Hold, please, for that film montage memory moment of you, little, just get papers. Yeah. Just get papers, like as if they were just pieces of paper. Wow. When did you when did you unlearn that that metaphor, that that um, simplicity for yourself that was probably a huge gift to you as a kid, but also frustrating? Yeah, I think for me, it wasn't until high school, to be honest, because like after my dad left me and my sister, I have an older sister. um, We would visit him in Mexico. So we lived in Mexico part like most of the summer. So we would travel around and then there was a point my mom couldn't afford it anymore. So we only had the phone calls. And then it was the end of middle school, start of high school that like 2014 was the last time I saw my dad in person. There was a lot of things going on in Colima at the time. And, you know, it was in high school until I realized that he wasn't documented. My grandpa, you know, he's going through his process right now. Really now? Barely now. Yeah. So like my grandpa like took that place of my dad. Yes. So like going through that process is like right now is kind of scary, especially politically. My grandma is barely getting into politics. And I think it's kind of funny because (laughs) 
yeah, my family is like, they like are decolonizing themselves like now like I started my process a long time ago and I think that started their spark Mm -hmm. like my mom she's like actively doing activism in her job and advocating for feel safe enough mm -hmm, to feel safe enough to do it and you know like this process of generational healing is starting within my family which is all great you know that spark but like yeah so like my grandpa is like my mom is trying to get our citizenship for Mexico now too, but he's she's also like trying to get my grandpa citizenship, so he stays here. So before we started at the microphone today, we were standing in the lobby at the studio, and you said to me, "That's why I don't and too much or so much," which could make our listeners think, "Then why is she a guest on this podcast?" But it actually. It's hilarious how much you and. Let's just start with that. You have double major, you have a minor, your ethnic studies and film and leadership. And you just talked about four projects that you're working on and you're talking about, you know, saxophone. Okay, so first listeners just know that that's the only thing Gabby lies about is that she can't and so much. But I think it's about the so and the much that I want to understand about you. Right now your focus is on social justice, film, memory, disruption, healing. I haven't said and yet intentionally, but that's a lot of anding. It's a lot of anding. Talk to me about how these worlds came together and how film became the vehicle for this representation and healing and transformation for you. Yeah. So like we talked about when I was younger, that like internalized oppression was very much there and very much present in my life. And growing up I wanted to be an actor actually Mm. so like I was like you know what if there's nobody out there looking like me let me be the first Ah, this is why representation is so important to you yes okay you came in from from a body space I came in from a body space and I it wasn't until like high school that I actually started like reflecting and doing the work I wanted to do on myself first like my grandpa he always um sent me speeches on MLK and Malcolm X he loves Malcolm X like he's very much you need to hear both sides you know like and I was working at the time at Sweet Cow on Lowell 32nd and Lowell in Denver and every day before work I would walk out of high school you know and then work would be like 30 minutes later because I want to give myself some time to like just like let me do it and I would sit in the um Jimmy John's and I would just listen to the speeches uh, my grandpa sent me and one really like I think changed like my idea it, it was Malcolm X speech on roots and pretty much he talks about you can't hate uh, the roots of a tree and not hate the tree and I was like you know we in my school um Social justice is very much part of the core. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were, I was reading a letter from a Birmingham jail my sophomore year of high school. I was reading works by Cesar Chavez, you know, um, and just like doing all this stuff. Social politics, even at a young age, is very like a no-no. Um, in my family, well, just with my grandpa, it was a yes, because my mom would be like, oh my God, come on already. Like my sister would be like, really? Can you speak about anything else? Even as a youngin. Yeah, even as a youngin. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, so um, like I would only have these conversations with my grandpa because like at that time my mom was just worried about work, you know, providing for me and my sister. And my sister was worried about she was in track and cross country, so she was always tired at the end of the day. And um, 
that's when I got into acting and I was like looking for screenplays, like Latino screenplays that I could like monologue from. Like I applied to, I was in workshops with Denver Center of Performing Arts Education for the summer. And it wasn't actually until 2018 when Black Panther came out that I wanted to do film because of how my mom reacted. So we got into a pre-screening a week before the film came out to the public. And I was... I was like, because me and my mom, we love Marvel movies, even though that's a big no-no in film. That's like really what, like movies in my family connects us. So that's why I wanted to be an actor. It's like, oh, I'm going to like bring her on the red carpets one day, you know, like just show them that we could do it. You know, like my grandpa, he loves movies. My grandma, like it's a family event. Yeah. It's a way to come together across generation and all of it. Exactly. So when we went, like... I was like, oh, mom, look, how much you want to bet they're going to start with the backstory of Wakanda first. And then when the film started, we hear two voices, you know, it's like they talk about the Great Mound. They talk about like the like history of Wakanda. And like I could see my mom transform because like she grew up in Cali because my grandparents were like always there for her so she moved with around the country with family and she mainly was raised in Cali during high school time so it was like very influential for her and like I could like I just saw her in awe like it might have not been our representation but it was representation and like it was such a big movement for her and I was like I want to do that for my mom like I want to like I want to move her like that because like my mom she's like very stoic sometimes Mm -hmm. and so like I just wanted to be like oh I could do that for my mom you know it's not even 10 a.m and you got me tearing (laughs) up Gabby that to see something that's that big and that potent and say I want to do that I want to do that for her and for her becomes for her and 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 for her right yeah and there is a there is a power in film. It's so wild that something that's two dimensional is so multi dimensional. Mm-hmm. To be able to do that in film and share it outward, I see in your other work, it seems like you're really anding a lot with light. So I wondered about you as a photographer or as a painter, the way that you're using light to also shape subjectivity in your short films feels really potent. And I, I wondered about that. And I wonder if you could tell me more how that becomes another instrument for you, especially in these worlds that are really dark. You're looking to light to do some work. Yeah. So um, when I think a perfect example of this is It's Just Us, my film um, that I made. I think that's like one of my favorite films I've ever made because um, I was able to bring all my friends on this, but I wanted the only, like, I wanted the film to be in black and white and the only, like, color is the person of color because mm-hmm. it's um, a very much encompassing feeling of, like, tokenization within college and with any school. And we used, like, a red light on the students of color and um because sometimes it feels like that like we have to be our own lights and like these very like predominant like white spaces that like sometimes like we find light in our friends we find light in like a faculty sometimes but like at sometimes at the very like I think saddest moments we are our own light and sometimes like we have to like pull ourselves up like it sucks but like that's something we do and like I want to I feel like later in film I want to change that light into something more like expressive and joyful instead of like um so like just on one person you know like I think light within film even like going back into the history of film light has been used as a way of oppressing people like Mm. even like in photography like 
brown skin tones are always washed out or like when you use flash like we look super dark you know like the history of like how photography has been used to villainize brown people and people of color in general um i always think about that within my work too like how am i softening this person you know like i don't want to like harsh lights that's so strong in your work yeah one of the most salient features for me it's really powerful thinking about light as an oppressor and then light as an intervention and a, uh, a reclamation of that past oppression and, and flattening that light has just, it, it, yeah, that there isn't just one story about light. And um, that is so, it, it, I can, I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm watching films as I'm staring off into the high <laughs> left diagonal. I'm, I'm watching films in my head and thinking about Gone with the Wind in the 30s and the light on Vivian Lee, impeccable. Yeah. But then the, the invisibility that happened with the way that the light wasn't balanced in the other scenes, even with incredible black actors in that film mm-hmm. who, you know, won due awards, when you see the contrast, like right now I can just see it in my head from a light perspective. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like it's so funny because I was reading a paper recently by Bell Hooks on like, um, oh, I can't remember, it's a gaze, like... So she pretty much talks about how people of color had to look beneath the film, like when there was bad representation to find like some sort of like... Yeah, like you have to peel back yeah, peel, what's actually there yeah. to get connection. Yeah, so I was just thinking about that and like how throughout film and like for me and like I'm pretty sure a lot of other people of color, like they've had to peel back these like stereotypes, these like caricatures and like oh, this is only happening because it's a white uh, white writer, right? Or white executives, or they're watering down the person of color just as a relief character, you know? Like in a lot of teen movies, you have like that tokenism, um, you know, just, just thinking how like, and when we're in the spaces, we're able to like fully flesh out a character. And how important that is to put that flesh on the body, thinking about what your grandfather said. Can you say that again the, uh, about going to see movies? Oh, yeah. My grandpa, um, when we went to see movies, um, he would only want to see movies with um, Mexican leads and they couldn't die. And like they had to be like a good rounded character. And for some reason, my grandpa, he loves like uh, narco movies mm-hmm. because I don't know if he like I maybe for him, that's what he thinks like is like more accurate representation, even though at the expense of like a whole like you know, group of people, you know, these cycles that continue, whether we see it or don't see it, they're there. Um, but yeah, he he's very much, oh, is there Mexican in the film? Then I don't want to see it. <laughs> Do they die? I don't want to see yeah. it. But that's, I mean, what a great gift of an imprint for you. I want there to be Mexicans who are central, who are in positions of power, and let's not have them die. Yeah, because I remember not even a week ago I was talking to him. I was like, you know, if I like if I can get the money, I would want to do a film about a Latino um, during the Vietnam War, because um, historically um, it doesn't even have to be Latino, but like just men of color because they were put on the front lines and they were ones who are often dying the most compared to their white counterparts. And I was like, I think it would be like an interesting story because we see all these movies about Vietnam and they're always on white people. They're like always focused on white or like they have like that, like a black friend who dies, like the foremost example is Forrest Gump. That's what I'm watching in my head right now. 
Well, that's what's also exciting about putting the camera into your hands and taking on the the action mm-hmm. of shooting and editing. There's in in my world, I don't I don't shoot or edit. I um I collaborate. I'm fortunate to get to collaborate with some incredible humans. But there is something. It's like really like setting the menu and like loving the salmon, but not grilling the salmon. And it was so powerful when I learned how to grill the salmon. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that getting to hold the tools that are remaking a world or an industry? Do you get excited by that? I get super excited. But for me, even even though I've been in film school for four years, I do not know how to fully like I know how to work camera, but I don't know how to operate. Okay, you're making it. me feel better. But you still feel like you're holding that camera. I'm holding the camera. I'm yeah. like telling them where to shoot, where to look. Okay, you just changed my life so that I don't have to do that, right? I can just keep like being bossy yeah. over here. I can just keep having strong vision. Just be a director. Exactly. <laughs> just be a director. That's my other t-shirt I'm getting after this. Just be a director. Gabby. Yeah, I think, I mean, in all ways, we're all directing our own lives, right? And I think a director is a very foretelling thing of how you like are as a person. Because I've met a lot of students who like, they're like, oh, hi, they look nice. But when they're directing, they have no like, they're like very blind to like the hurt they're doing. As a director, you're like, like working on everything all at once, right? But you're setting a tone. You're setting for an, a tone for the audience specifically too like and with the, the cast if the cast is not feeling right if the cast is not happy to be there it's gonna like very much reflect within the film and how it turns out and then it's gonna reflect how the audience sees it and like even or feels it doesn't or it? feels yeah that's the good trouble right yeah it, it could totally mess up the essence of a film yeah. and like it's kind of shocking, like, for me, when I was filming my first narrative, I had my big set. Like, I've only worked with two other people, and this was, like, my first time working with, like, ten people on an actual set. So it was very new. I was very nervous. And I wanted to um, make sure everyone realized we're all equal. Mm. Because coming from my leadership minor, like, it's like we learned about, like, this web and how everyone is on the same level and how, like, every part is an important part. Film set replicating light, replicating life, life replicating film set for yeah. you. For me, that's how it is. Like I don't yeah. want to make like yes, I might be directing and like have the final say, but I'm also going to collaborate. It's a collaboration. I'm going to collaborate with you with sound. I'm going to collaborate with you with um like videography, cinematography, and I'm going to make sure you feel like you're doing the best so we can make the best film possible. And how does that show up in life for you? Is that when you're at a regular gathering, are you, do you feel like you want to conduct a space to be, or is, yeah, I, I want to know what that, what, how does that flow over into being Gabby Mejia in the world? Yeah, I think for me, I'm very much, um, I like looking first. I like set knowing a vibe of a place. Like I trust my gut so much that hit, like at this point it has never led me wrong about certain people or certain groups. Like I'm very much know how to catch a vibe of a person before we actually have this like meeting. But I still don't let that like let me give them a chance first, mm-hmm. and I'll talk to you. And I feel like in like a bigger room it's kind of harder to do that so like sometimes I'll just be quiet you know I just want to see a vibe of something before I actually like put like my whole because for me it's all about like 
my whole body like my whole heart into something and like if I know like you're gonna hurt me or hurt my peace of mind I'm okay to be acquaintances but I'm not gonna be your friend you know like I need to know that we're on the same page we have some sort of same values or we just have this same respect right so like for me um my first year of film school, like you could tell like formations were reforming and I was like, that's something I don't want to be a part of because it's very toxic. Mm-hmm. Because like it's also something that reminded me of high school and in high school like I was very much an odd personnel. Um, because like I grew up listening like jazz. I liked Frankie Valley. <laughs> I like music from the thirties. Like I very much incorporated myself with all these musics, all this um I don't know. Just like, like I had no one listening to Marvin Gaye with me in high school, <laughs> minus my teachers. And they're like, "Oh, Gabby's a good one." Let also, me, yeah, Gabby's a good one. Did that? So when I, I'm, 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 we started to talk about, it and then we got so beautifully distracted. This idea about like I can't over and. I think for me when I was under like at least my understanding of and is like and 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 uh-huh. and not like that comma like like I wouldn't like do I'm a first generation student and a woman of color and low income you know I'm just like a you know it's just commas to me mm-hmm. so and what about anding anding verb verb could not you just, use it in a sentence yeah oh i can and i will so not just yes to the like the more 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 the and comma and comma and comma but anding the com the combination the combining of different sparks okay that okay so when i was thinking of ending i was thinking and and yeah and. so let's try not to think of it that way because that makes me want to throw up because that's so much right that's yeah. so much that's a lot of weight but what about uh connection uh so dancer filmmaker poet so i'm i'm verbing together these things and like maya darren did and now we have a new reality so for me, that brings on the idea of intersectionality, coined by Miss Kimberly Crenshaw, you know, we love her work. Um, I don't know, for me, that's very much like intersectionality. It's like these multiple identities influencing the way I work. So, so totally <laughs> obvious. It's just like what I do. Yeah. I d- yeah so you've already done that six times today. <laughs> um I think so. Did you lie to me earlier? Or you didn't lie because we we didn't have a shared vocabulary. So now we have a shared vocabulary. Anding, you do it a lot. Yeah, I think. I mean, I would still even be like conscious, like with those boundaries at least, because like we are giving parts of us to uh, whether it's a cause or a project. And I think for me recently, I learned is we have to be truly who we are, no matter what, no matter what people think. And we have to keep our peace of mind because like with all this stuff I've been through at CU Boulder, it's so easy to keep like adding these weights on this ending. Right. Like, like, yes, I'm a social activist and that work influences my film and it like influences the work I want to do outside of film too, like making sure everything is equitable within at least in some way the film department. I don't have to worry about ethnic studies because they already have it on. They already know what they're doing. (laughs) But I think for me, it's like making sure you are valued are you valuing your valuing yourself and you're allowing yourself to grow and learn and know that it's okay to not like 
be the best right now and that I'm only a student, at least for me, you know, and that like it doesn't matter what at the end of the day what my peers think. It matters what I think. And like it's just about peace of mind for me because like there's so much at least for like students of color or like anyone that's on the outside, right? It's so much work to like advocate for yourself and so much to like educate, like we're constant educators as people of colors because we're always having to like stand up for ourselves or stand up for like, you know. So I think for me, it's just like, making sure we have our own peace of mind and like we're resetting, you know. Yeah, your your fifth chakra, <laughs> radiant, right? Your throat chakra, open, yeah. pow- really powerful in, in my experience of you. And to be able to do that in both your human body and in your filmic body of work, it just keeps doubling um, and magnifying your your beliefs, your truths, your mission, and your potency in those spaces, Gabby. It's it's great to see. It's so beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Can I speed round? Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. I, I I was I call this the quick and dirty. I thought of another one. It's like the fast and the furious because that was a movie reference. But you don't have to be furious because we've we've been really like ah oh, this has been like a lovely breakfast talk with you this morning um okay so has to be fast though do not get in your own way oh gosh okay i'm ready to get in my own way okay (laughs) get out of there get out of there okay are you ready so okay i'm gonna give you a topic and you're gonna say the first word or phrase that has and in it ideally either and connector or the word and embedded Okay. okay so if i say the best ending film you'd say um Damn. Okay. Wakanda Forever and uh, Black Panther. Yeah, both. Both. I don't know. They're just ah, uh, they're yeah. amazing. I can't. I can't wait to see the second one. I um, I was thinking about my movies this morning. I was thinking of The Cook, The Thief, His Wife, and Her Lover. Uh, have you seen that film? I have not. Ooh, color. No, I mean, oh, wait. I have seen the end of it. Dark which... Days. But 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 it's a dance film. Oh, it is. And not really, but in my brain, because of the way color maps out. But yeah. the color. Yeah, the color. Okay, and who gets the co- okay? We're gonna and the color. Yeah, and the color. We're gonna we're gonna do a we're gonna share a class on that on that film. Okay, so best ending film, got it. Okay, the songs that you need to hear back to back, blank and. Oh gosh, okay. Um, what's going on by Marvin Gaye? Uh, and recently, it's uh, "Lift Me Up" by Rihanna. Those two songs. Oh, I love them. So good. Okay, we're going to have a podcast playlist. Look for those songs back to back. Tim Grassley, can you get on that? Thank you. Okay, um, a title that you'd consider for your next film. Ooh, I already have it. I'm working on it right now. It's Too Loud and Too Brown. Too Loud and Too Brown. (laughs) T-shirt. Yeah. That one's dedicated for my mom. Trying not to talk too soon. Okay, best ending food combos. Oh, this is gonna be so controversial. Pizza and pineapple. Don't be mad. <laughs> Don't be mad. Pizza and pineapple. No, I. Uh, we've been having a long debate in Old Main about pizza and pineapple on a on a thread. I'm very much pro. <laughs> pro. Okay, your two favorite words. Jedi and. I want to say responsibility, and I don't know. I do not know why. <laughs> Trust the gut. Yeah. Trust the gut. Trust the gut. Okay. On each episode, we ask our guests what they would tell an audience 
like at a, a commencement ceremony going forward, you know, I have my Irish toast and may the road rise to meet you. So starting with and, what would you offer up to a next generation moving forward? And I hope you know that it will be okay. Everything will work out. And no matter what, there will always be someone there to back you up. That was undergraduate student Gabby Mejia, who studies film, ethnic studies, and leadership at the University of Colorado Boulder. The Ampersand is written and produced by me, Erica Randall, and Tim Grassley. If there are folks you'd like to hear from on The Ampersand, do please email us at asinfo at colorado.edu. Our theme music was composed and performed by Nelson Walker, a CU Boulder alum, brilliant cellist, composer, and a fantastic dancer. Episodes are recorded at Interplay Studios in Boulder, Colorado. I'm Erica Randall, and this is The Ampersand.